The final plague falls upon Egypt, and wailing is heard throughout the land. God is finally delivering his people from their awful slavery. On The Bible Brief. Death for death. This is a backbone concept in the Bible, a theme that runs through the pages until the final few chapters of the very last book. Death for death. From the very beginning of the Bible story, death has been the problem to be solved. The disobedience of Adam and Eve brought sin into the world, and with sin came the penalty of death. All sin leads to this same penalty death. Physical death separating body from spirit, and spiritual death separating the person from God. This death penalty was first dealt with by a death too. A temporary solution that God provided after the first two people had sinned against him. He slaughtered an animal, took its skin, and clothed the two humans who were naked and ashamed. He gave them a covering, and blood was shed to provide the covering. After the great flood upon the earth, we found out more about blood, as God said that the very life of a person is in the blood. Blood, in a sense, is the signifier of life in the Bible. And so, in order to escape the death penalty, blood must be shed. A substitute death has to happen to take the place of the sinner's death for his sin. Death for death. Blood for blood. The final plague is coming, and Egypt is not ready. They've been pummeled by plagues. Frogs, gnats, flies, hail, locusts, and more. Yet for this final plague, God is demonstrating a sort of symmetry to the first plague. Remember the first one, was a plague of bloody water, especially the bloody Nile River, that great water source for Egypt. Bloody, perhaps, as a signifier of what had been going on there during the time of Moses' birth. All the baby boys were being cast into the Nile to drown. The first plague, in a way, was like God saying that he hadn't forgotten about the life of those little baby boys. In a sense, the first plague said, God remembers. And in this final plague, it's as if God says, Vengeance is mine. Let's read this harrowing account, beginning in Exodus, chapter 11. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one more plague I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Before God even announces the content of the final plague, God says to Moses, in effect, This is it. Get ready to go. This will finally break Egypt. Pharaoh will not just let you go. He will drive you out of Egypt. And it's after this that we see what this final plague will be, as Moses announces it to Pharaoh. So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. 
There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. And Moses went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Death is the announcement. Death of every firstborn of every house in Egypt, from Pharaoh on his throne to the firstborn of the slave. And of all the livestock that were left after the other plagues, their firstborn would die too. All the firstborn would die. And for this final plague, the Lord again hardens the heart of Pharaoh. But then something happens in the narrative that's rather unexpected. Instead of immediately describing the plague upon Egypt, God begins making commands to Moses and Aaron regarding the nation that he's in the midst of saving. God commands them to begin working from a new calendar, a God-ordained calendar for a God-saved nation of Israel. And this new calendar will start at the same time as this final plague. But it won't commemorate the plague. It will commemorate salvation from the plague. Let's listen in Exodus chapter 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, Every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood, and put it on the two doorposts, and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire. With unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. God is making a nation. He's given his nation a new calendar and a new holiday. And all of this in the midst of the devastating plague that's imminently coming upon Egypt. This holiday of salvation is given a name. The Passover. The Passover 
will be a solemn yet celebratory holiday for Israel, because it will be on the Passover year after year and generation after generation that they will remember God's deliverance of the nation from the final plague upon Egypt. In this feast, they will remember their bondage, and they will remember God's ultimate deliverance of Israel from slavery. This celebration of the Passover was also part of another feast that would be part of Israel's calendar in years and generations to come. This other feast would be called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. God commands this next. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened, from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days. But what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. So we have the Passover, and we have the seven days of the feast of unleavened bread. Two holy occasions commanded to be forever feasts for the nation of Israel. And now we know the purpose of the Passover feast, but left unexplained so far is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We will soon find out why God makes unleavened bread a symbol of deliverance from Egypt. But before that, we see Moses command Israel concerning the Passover. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans, and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. Imagine hearing Moses say this to you. As an Israelite, you have witnessed all these awful plagues upon Egypt. You've been spared from many of them, and you've seen the awe-inspiring power of your God. Yahweh, the God of Israel, has finally shown His power to save. I think your reaction would probably be much like theirs. We read this. The people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so. As the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. The people worshipped and obeyed. No questions asked. They had seen Yahweh's power, and now they would experience His amazing salvation from their centuries-long bondage. As twilight came, lambs all around Goshen were slain according to God's command. A lamb for each household. Their blood was put into basins, and the family roasted the lamb before serving it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Each household took the blood of the slain lambs and spread it with a hyssop branch on the doorposts and lintel of their homes. The smell of roasted lamb and the sight of blood filled Goshen where Israel lived. And soon, midnight came. At midnight, The Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. 
from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone, and bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. No plague was so close to home as the death of Pharaoh's son. His heir apparent, and the one he had brought up from infancy to lead Egypt after him. His son was dead, along with the firstborn of all the houses and livestock of Egypt. If the smell of the lamb and the sight of blood characterized Goshen, it was the sound of wailing that characterized the rest of the land of Egypt. It was with this plague that Pharaoh and the Egyptians finally urged Israel to leave. Finally, they would be allowed to leave Egypt. And not just leave, but the Egyptians were sending them out as quickly as they could go. Their fear of God finally compelled them to drive Israel out of the land. And it's here that we get the explanation of unleavened bread to commemorate this deliverance from bondage. We read this. The Israelites took their dough before it was leavened, and their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have what they asked. Thus Israel plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude, including Egyptians, also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Around two million people, if we include likely counts for women and children, around two million people fled Egypt that night. They had no opportunity to prepare and no provisions for the journey. Instead, they just up and left Egypt. They left in such haste that their bread didn't even have a chance to rise before it was baked. It remained unleavened, a symbol of the speed at which they left Egypt and a reminder of God's deliverance. After 430 years in the land of Egypt, God had delivered his people from their captivity. He showed his signs and wonders to Pharaoh, and his fame began to spread across the world due to the awesome power that he displayed to judge Egypt and to save his people. But we can't miss this. This final night of salvation for Israel was accomplished not through exemption from the plague, but because of blood. There was a death in every Israelite household. It just wasn't the same death as the Egyptians. The Egyptians lost a firstborn. The Israelites killed a lamb. The Passover was accomplished because a death had already taken place as a substitute for the firstborn among the houses of Israel. 
Just as Adam and Eve had a substitute that God killed to provide them a covering, so here, each Israelite firstborn had a substitute killed on their behalf. It was death for death. The death of the substitute provided life for the nation. Two million people now traveling out of Egypt, headed to the promised land. Little do they know that Pharaoh's grief has turned to anger as he sends chariots in hot pursuit. Join us next time as we take a brief break from the Exodus story to explore the ultimate Passover. The Passover not involving a one-year-old male lamb, but a 33-year-old God-man. Next time, we learn about Jesus and the Passover. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023